Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Election College, Episode 60. President John F. Kennedy is assassinated. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, I feel like we've had uh, too many, obviously, of these kind of episodes where we talk about a president who gets elected by the majority of the country. And then the next episode, we talk about how they were killed by someone who just wasn't a fan. Yeah, I think the thing that gives me a little bit of um, fear, (laughs) a little bit in talking about the assassination of President Kennedy is a couple of things. There is the fact that there are a lot of conspiracy theories around this event, but then also just the nearness of of the assassination of the president. There are so many of our listeners um, who were alive and remember this event so well. And of course, a lot of the uh, political leaders at the time are, are still alive. It really wasn't that long ago. And we see a very human element throughout um, from beginning all the way until now of of this event. And not to mention, there are so many, we're just going to throw this out there. There are so many details. Um, the, I mean, everything down to the route that the president's car uh, took that day is completely documented and documented well, investigated through and through. And so there are so many details that we know you want to hear, and many of you probably already know, and that I myself in the past was very into discovering and reading about that we're just not going to be able to get into because uh, we could spend literally, I mean, there are entire documentary series about this one event, these couple hours. So a caveat that 
Um, we will leave things out, and some of you will be disappointed, but we hope to do justice to the overall topic, which is not one we take lightly, but one we're interested in talking about more and telling you about more. The day was November 22nd, 1963. It was a Friday, and President Kennedy was in Texas, Dallas to be specific. He was in Dallas to garner support for his reelection for the 1964 election. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that uh, at the end of a president's term, if they're planning to run again, a lot of their time is spent um, continuing to gain support. And during those times, they can continue to do important things like running the country. Um, But it's kind of interesting that, I don't know, it's just hard for me to think like, yeah, they're the president. I often think of presidents who are already in office who want to run again as an automatic win. That's not the case, of course. Right. Um, But they do have to continue campaigning at any rate he was in uh texas campaigning and he'd been on the campaign trail for a little while um, but was going to this particular event and wanted to like there was going to be a giant parade what was going to happen is the president and governor texas governor john Connolly, um as well as vice president lyndon b johnson uh, we're going to go to a luncheon uh, with civic and business leaders there in dallas And the president would arrive in Dallas uh, that morning, and they would go to the Dallas Trademark, where the luncheon would take place. Right. So the this particular area was kind of um, was kind of made as a decision because it wasn't somewhere that people were used to big events being held. There were certainly big events held there, but it wasn't the type of place that you would expect the president to go. And so that was part of the um, the plan was that if we didn't announce this till later on and it wasn't somewhere people would expect that he'd be safer. And also the route that they set up um, had been changed several times and uh, there were multiple precautions put in place for each different route because they were thinking ahead of, of the possibility of um, someone trying to do the president harm. Right. So... Until the last minute, the exact route wasn't going to be known, but they did finally decide to go through downtown Dallas and go along the main street uh, rather than an off street because that was the traditional parade route and the most people could see the president. Right. And they wanted to have a, a nice meandering kind of route on the way there for him. On the way back, they wanted it to be a straight shot. Uh, it was only going to be about four miles, just get it over with, get back to the plane. But the the route that they did go on was actually pretty widely reported. And like Jason said, um, they wanted everybody to be able to come out and see the president. And the president wanted that, too. He was there for a campaign trip. But I think uh, Kennedy was a, was definitely a good example of a president who was good with people and just wanted to be able to p- see people and for them to see him. Right. So there were three cars that were used Uh, for the Secret Service and police protection in the motorcade. Uh, The first car was a Ford hardtop, and that had Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry, as well as a Secret Service agent and a sheriff. The second car was a Lincoln Continental Convertible, and along with the driver and an assistant, uh, the governor, as well as his wife and President and Mrs. Kennedy, uh, were in that one. And then in the third car was a another convertible 
And that had a couple of dignitaries as well as some secret service agents there as well. Right. And you, you of course, have the, the, even in the 1963, you have the secret service kind of running alongside the car, running behind the car, riding on the uh, runners of cars, holding guns and uh, having guns in the vehicles. And so the interesting thing was the, the top of the vehicle, the top of the car that President Kennedy rode in had a bubble and they actually requested for the bubble to be removed so that he could, you know, first be out in the fresh air and also uh, have less of a barrier between himself and the people. Right. So the motorcade is going um, through Dallas and it enters Dealey Plaza and Nellie Connolly, who is the first lady of Texas, turns around to the president and says, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. And President Kennedy said, no, you certainly can't. Those were the last words ever spoken. Right. The uh, the motorcade passes the Texas School Book Depository and a shot or shots were fired at President Kennedy. And um, uh, about 80 percent of people say they remember hearing three distinct shots. Um, there were some witnesses who said they definitely heard the first gunshot and it was weapon fire, but nobody reacted to it. Um, so this could have been anything or it could have been a gunshot. Um, then um, other people said that they thought it was a firecracker or a backfire or something else entirely. And um, the the kind of order of things and who heard what and also depending on where you're standing, things can sound very differently. It's kind of a jumbled mess. And that's the focus of many of the conspiracies that are out there. Right. A minority of the witnesses recognized the first gunshot as weapon fire, but there really wasn't any reaction to that first shot by a majority of the people. And some people just thought it was a firecracker or the exhaust backfire of a vehicle. Um, so the president is waving and, and then all of a sudden within one second of each other, the president, the governor and Mrs. Kennedy, they turn abruptly and the governor who was a world war II veteran said that he immediately recognized that sound of a high powered rifle. Right. So he turns around, he can't see the president and then he looks uh, back forward again. And then the governor actually testifies that um, when his his uh, head was turned back towards the front, he was hit in his back, in the upper right back by a bullet, um, but he didn't hear it fired. And so, of course, there could be many reasons why he didn't hear it fired, but he didn't hear it. He actually shouted out, uh, oh, no, 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 my God, they're going to kill us all. And Mrs. Connolly, his wife, said that just after the... Uh, first loud gunshot came, um, and after she heard that, somewhere behind her and to her left, she actually turned towards President Kennedy and saw him with his arms and elbows raised up high and his hands in front of his face and throat. And so then she said she heard another gunshot, and that's when she turned away and turned towards her husband. And I, we're mentioning all these things because the minutia of the events is also a very um, important important part in it we could get way deeper into it and analyze these further as we mentioned before but just mentioning that there's like uh, the reason nobody knows exactly well i can't say nobody 
The reason that there's so much confusion about exactly what happened is that there was so much happening and everybody's looking different ways in different places. And that like even down to the angle of someone's the way that someone's head was turned uh, were, were things that were reported later. Yeah. Um, and we've all heard about the just the graphic descriptions of of the ride um, to Parkland Memorial Hospital um, and just the, the heartfelt. I mean. Our hearts still <laughs> feel uh, just deep wounds when when you think about uh, the fact that uh, a wife is sitting next to her husband who is is essentially dead, and um, there's really nothing she can do about it, and, and the world is watching. Um, the governor uh, Conley he was injured and um, he did survive. So after the the whole thing went down, the, there's a commission that's formed, and we're not skipping too far ahead, but there's a commission that is formed, and they come up with some different theories. One is the single bullet theory, and uh, the single bullet hits everyone who gets hit and is the only bullet that actually injures anyone. Um, the Warren Commission, though, then also says that a second shot hits the president and um they say this could have been a, a second shot or a third shot. And so there's also more reason for disagreement and um, things like that. But what we do know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that the president was assassinated uh, and that other people in the vehicle were injured as a result of the attempt or the successful attempt on the president's life. And so um, we have chaos. We have uh, people going to the hospital, they go right to Parkland Memorial Hospital, and um, j- the president's wife, the first lady, uh, just she shouts out to everyone that they've killed her husband. And like Jason said, you can imagine, uh, or probably can't imagine what that feels like. Um, and the the, uh, the types of things she was feeling and thinking and knowing the nation's eyes were upon her had to have been uh, the last thing in her mind. And then she has to go and be rushed. And we'll get more into um, the assassination, but she has to be rushed then also to Air Force One, where there's business to be dealt with right after this traumatic, horrible, awful event. Heart activity uh, had ceased around one o'clock Central Standard Time. And the president is pronounced dead at Parkland Memorial Hospital. And uh, the priest administers his last rites and, and so on. And the White House officially announces his death at 1.33. There was a bit of a um, scuffle <laughs> between the Dallas County coroner, uh, whose name was Earl Rose, and the Secret Service. It was, uh, th- there was some contradictory um, belief in who could um, do the autopsy and should his body be removed and so on. But by the time two o'clock rolls around, um, Kennedy's body is taken from the hospital and driven to Air Force One. It was on board Air Force One that Johnson was sworn in as president with Jackie Kennedy standing right next to him. Right. And this is mere hours after the events we've previously discussed. 
uh, we'd be remiss not to mention, uh, and I think we're going to take the, uh, even though I don't know that I, uh, either one of us necessarily agree with it, but we're going to take the stance, the official government stance that um, the shooter was Lee Harvey Oswald. He was kind of a troubled guy. For sure. He's definitely a troubled guy who had um, leanings that were opposing the president and had uh, at numerous times mentioned intentions to do harm to the president. And so Lee Harvey Oswald is in the Texas book depository and um, shoots the president. And then he escapes, runs around town for a little while. Uh, people run into him and and kind of the town is reeling from the aftermath and then eventually uh, he's caught and he's taken into custody. And then he's kind of paraded from one jail to another jail so that they can keep him in a more secure area. Yeah. So Oswald is resisting arrest the whole time. He's attempting to draw his pistol and um, he murders Dallas officer J.D. Tippett. And... Um, Oswald says that he didn't shoot anyone. He claims yeah. that he was basically a wimp and he was arrested because he had lived in the Soviet Union. And um, he, of course, never went to trial because two days later he was being escorted uh, to a car from the Dallas police headquarters to go to the Dallas County Jail where he was shot and killed by Jack Ruby, who was a Dallas nightclub owner. And that right. happened and this, on live TV. Right, exactly. Um, there's also conspiracy theories out there about that, but there's no reason uh, to speculate at the moment other than to know that a man who is suspected of killing the president is then killed by someone else. Um, so kind of a crazy turn of events in a very short period of time. And the nation who loves President Kennedy, the world loves President Kennedy, um, the president had been uh, all over the world, just on kind of um, different different types of missions, and um, he he was well loved by the public for the most part, obviously. And so, um, a crazy turn of events where multiple people are injured, multiple people are are killed, and Lyndon B. Johnson is now the president. Yeah. So we mentioned that Johnson was immediately sworn in uh, before the plane even leaves Dallas and um, he's the president and he serves out the remainder of um, Kennedy's term. So in the days following the assassination, Johnson made an address to Congress and he said that, quote, no memorial or eulogy could more eloquently honor President Kennedy's memory than the earliest possible passage of the civil rights bill for which he fought so long. And um, the nation grieved along with Johnson and um, it was quickly passed. Right. Speaking of, of the grieving, the funeral procession uh, took place, or I'm sorry, the funeral actually took place in Washington, DC. Um, and the, the, the body of president Kennedy was bought, brought back to the Capitol uh, it was placed in the East Room of the White House, as it was pretty traditional for about 24 hours. And then uh, his coffin was carried to the U.S. Capitol to lie in state. And during that day that it was there, hundreds of thousands of people lined up to view his casket. 
and um, representatives from over 90 different countries. I mentioned earlier that he was very popular around the world as well, visited the, um, the, the funeral, the procession. And it's kind of crazy to think that this is the first uh, this is the first president who has died in office or been assassinated where that was even really a possibility for that many people to come from elsewhere because we have you know new technology we have trains we have planes um, the other presidents who have died in office or, or have been assassinated um, even if other dignitaries and representatives from other countries wanted to come there was almost no way for them to know in time yeah so just to think that technology had changed so much between when even President Kennedy, being a very young man, when he was assassinated, he was born in 1917. You think about how much technology had changed in those 40-plus years where you have mainstream use of aircraft and you have television, you have color photography, just all of these breakthroughs. And um, I think that's one reason we can relive this event, uh, even for those of us who weren't even alive when the event took place. Right. Absolutely. And there were many people who were at the um, at the procession uh, who took many pictures and videos uh, of the funeral procession. We have the immortalized image of President Kennedy's son saluting the casket as it goes by. And, you know, just just a testament to how many people were there or just a testament to his popularity and how well loved he was. Just the amount of the sheer amount of people who were there um, says a lot. So um, definitely was a huge event, almost a, a not a turning point, but almost a turning point in the country's history uh, in many different ways. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of us who um, try to process this i mean it's it's so hard to process the the killing of of the leader of your country um you know the closest thing that we can even think of is is perhaps 911 i know uh growing up in a lot of our um psychology classes and things like that it was always like um if you remember the space shuttle challenger when it exploded and it and it happened before our eyes mm-hmm. um I can remember exactly where I was when I found out the Kennedy assassination was very much that generation's moment where everybody can recall exactly where they were um, and what was going on that day. My uh, aunt talks about how um, my grandparents actually brought mattresses into the living room uh, during the coverage those next few days to watch watch the news and watch the the media coverage of everything just because it was such a huge event in their lives and they were not at all connected of course yeah yeah and it it does testify to the fact that in the in the occurrence of a national tragedy how a country that can seem so divided politically especially i mean go back to our last episode where nixon and kennedy were opponents and and it was a hard fought election and half the country voted for the opponent or nearly half the country voted for the opponent um how this really everybody mourned it and we were unified in our mourning 
And we saw that after 9-11. We saw that with the Challenger disaster as well. Right. We would love to hear from you on this topic. And this is not just a pitch to get you to go find us on social media. Uh, really, if you have stories that you remember from this time period, um, we would love to hear those. If you want to just comment on other things um, that we've discussed or didn't discuss, uh, or you just want to um, you know, reflect on something that would be important to you, make sure to check us out, um, say hey, and uh, kind of converse in those respects on uh, all our social media channels, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Seems like we get a lot of those types of things on Twitter pretty commonly. So mm-hmm. um, we'd love to hear what you remember and what you find impactful about the event. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.